0: This whole thing of peace, revolutionary peace—it's an amazing thing. I'm pro- and I'm pro- just sort of a parenthesis here. I'm probably not going to teach you anything you didn't know when you walked in here today. Uh, my goal is though to challenge you to to maybe make some changes, depending on on who you are and so forth. To challenge you in an area that that um, at one time or another has has has, has likely plagued. Every person since 1892, when this building was built, who's ever walked in here, at one time or another, um, we have all been plagued by worries of different kinds. And so that's what I want to talk about. And you know, this comes at a very timely, you know, very timely time, so to speak. Um, Probably don't need to hear this on Sunday from the pastor, those of you who are in the world of finance, but there's some crazy stuff going on, and uh, I'm, not a huge, uh, I'm not a huge finance person. Since living here, I'm following a few things, and I have, um, on my cute little iPhone here, I have the uh, stocks and so forth. Every day, the stocks, and I just, because I know so many people are so involved, I, I'll check that, and uh, when you see a whole lot of red numbers, I've learned that that's not really good, you know, and lately I'm looking at that thing and I'm thinking, ooh, that's not good. That was up 96 Friday. Okay. Um, so, you know I, I, you know, I know it's a tough time for a lot of people. But the really funny thing about it, it's funny, peculiar, not funny, haha, is that when I talk about this in a, in a setting like we are in and, and you, you think about, well, gee, here's a guy who's, whose net worth was, you know, 20 million uh, a year ago and now it's 10 million. Or well, you're like, oh, gee, I'll feel really bad for him. Or, or, or five million and two and a half million. You know, that's real numbers to some people who have real lives. And, and granted, when you look at what was life was like here two hundred and some years ago, I'm reading John Adams again and um, listening to it actually. And, uh, and you, and you know, they were literally praying. They were really worried, literally worried about not the stock so much as just food. You know, and, and shelter. So it's, it's a whole different thing. So, how, how do you, you know, how do you synchronize that when you think about that? So, here's, here's the thing that I want you to think about as we go through this the relevance of the teachings of Jesus are just as important for today as they were then and throughout history. So, I want to talk about that, and, and I really want you to think with me. I want to first just read through these, these verses, it's a Sermon on the Mount. Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, chapters, six, uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7. We're going to pick it up in chapter 6, just a few verses in chapter 6, as we talk about this revolutionary peace, and really one of the main enemies uh, of revolutionary peace is worry. And Jesus just jumps right on that subject, right from the very beginning. He starts off, so I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes, doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing look at the birds they don't need to plant or harvest or put food in the barns because your heavenly father feeds them and you are far more valuable to him than they are can your worries add a single moment to your life of course not and why worry about your clothes you say oh why'd you have to go pick on clothes okay Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his Ralph Lauren, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. I kind of added that. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't you more? Won't He more uh, surely care for you? You have so little faith. I, I think that's how Jesus said it too. I don't think He was being condemning, or I think He just says, y- "You just have so little faith. Come on, have a little more." I think that's probably how the Lord, in a compassionate way, said it. Verse 31, said, don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans, people who have no God, who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, and He will give you all you need from day to day if you live for Him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And I would say, here, 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 here to that. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about revolutionary peace and how we experience it. We experience revolutionary peace when, when really, I'm, I'm going to give you three bullet points to think through. I'm going to be rather really brief today. Uh, we have a very uh, because I need to. We're going to have a, our fourth our court we do every fourth every four times a year we do a finance report and we're having our fourth quarter of last year financial report from rob uh, so i'm going to be brief here but um i'll tell you more about that in a second but i want to just settle on three basic bullet points and we talk about how uh, when when we experience revolutionary peace okay here's what has to happen for that three things very simple we get settled on providential provision we get settled on providential provision. See, what do, you mean, what do you mean by that? Get settled, all right? Go back to verse 25 just a minute. I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink and so forth. He says, um, and then verse 26, look at the birds. They don't need plant to, to plant or harvest or put food in the barns because your heavenly Father feeds them and you are far more valuable to Him than they are. And then he says in verse 32, why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows your needs here 's what I mean when I talk about providential provision, you know as a follower of christ as a, as a person who trusts god you have to you have to come to groups and what i call get settled on the fact that that our daily needs are met by our heavenly Father, and i don 't care whether you check or stock or whatever, however it is you get paid i don 't care whether It's the chairman of the board uh, that signs that check or you sign your own check or or whatever. You know, bottom line is that's still God. He gave you the opportunities. He gave you the education. He gave you the the, the gifts and the talents. He gives you the, you know, obviously you can think about the different opportunities you've had in your life. I promise you, I don't care who you are, you can think of a few God-like moments. How you got there? How did I get this particular position? How did I get this particular deal? You know, and we have to come to get grips with this truth, get settled on it is God, providence, the providence of God, his provision that makes this thing happen. And, and as I was saying earlier, and I want to give a word of caution on this whole thing because some of our needs are different. And, and, I'm, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a pass on the word need. What does that mean, needs? Because there's needs and there's Needs. In those needs. And and the people that were here 200 years ago and who were just really trying to feed their families, literally, and what we have going on today, is that different? Well, see, here's the issue. And I've, I've been around, I've been fortunate in my life as, as a pastor to be around um, the world of finance. I still don't understand it. But the people who are in the world of finance, whether I was here, whether I was in Vail, where I had a lot of friends and, and um, all kinds of different things going on with the world of finance, or even in D.C., and, and, you know, you, you get with, with some of these guys, and it's kind of funny because some, some of these people, you know, I know, I think I mentioned this last week. I know what it feels like to hear a guy tell me, you, we got to, you know, until we sell our third vacation home, we can't give as much to the church as we'd like to. So, I mean, I've heard those words, you know, from a good friend. Um, so, at the same time, well, I, I want to be fair because whether it's real need or whether it's perceived need whether it's money or whether it's other areas of things in my life that i need it's still real to that person and that's what and that's, those can cause us a lot of worry whether it's the times we live we live in now and i remember so vividly with friends going through with, with friends aside from the other, other devastation of nine eleven of the loss of human life uh, those that that and i certainly there were plenty of those folks but folks who who also lost a lot, a lot in terms of finances i remember talking and, and were they were they really worried about losing their home or not having enough food well i don't know that they were worried about that but the worries that they had were real and they kept them up at night just as much as the guy in 1782 was concerned about having enough food to feed his family different different culture but it doesn't make the guy who's worried about a deal any less in God's eyes. You know, and that's the problem. You know, sometimes I talk to you guys and ladies and, and they say, you know, I, I, they talk about prayer, place of prayer. You know, you know one thing, I'll never pray for God to give me a deal. And I'm like, well, that's the most asinine, that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. Why is that? Well, I just don't think, I said, pray for it. Ask God to help you have the deal. may not do it, but there's nothing wrong with that. God cares about that too. So my, my point that I want you to see on this, a good quality of life doesn't mean you, you don't you, that you trust God any less. So don't let that blind you or, or, or divert you from the truth of this. Because the things that put the knot in your stomach when it comes to worry can be just as real now as they were and as they are for other people in the world who may be just trying to survive. Don't, let's don't downplay that, okay? Now you might want to... While you're worried, and while you're praying for God to help you, you might want to just also utter a prayer of, "Thank you, God, that I'm safe and my children are fed, and you know we're all fat and happy, so to speak." <laughs> Can't use that phrase anymore, can you? Anyway, um, you you got my you understand my drift in that. We experience God's revolutionary peace when we get settled on the fact it all comes from God, providential provision. Second thing I want you to see, very important, we experience God's revolutionary peace when we are able to comprehend God's value of us. He values us. tremendously More than you can possibly know. Remember that verse? We read it earlier, Uh, back in verse 26, and you are far more valuable to him than they are, you know, back in uh, chapter 6, verse 26 there look at the birds they don't they don't need to plant or harvest and you are far more valuable to him than they are it doesn't mean that animal life isn't valuable to god but there's a difference between human life and animal life and he's saying you're far more valuable and then and then later on in verse 33 verse 31 don't worry about having enough food or drink verse 33 and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of god your primary concern so part of this is you need to stop and you need to realize my concerns are God's concerns because he, has, he values me greatly. And as one old friend of mine used to say, well, God, I have this problem. And then he'd pray, well, God, uh, I guess you really have this problem because all my problems are yours. And that's true. Because he values us so much. And sometimes we, we have to get away from this attitude that somehow says that, that God values me less when I'm a jerk. Because we've all visited that town of Jerkville a few times, haven't we? Well, I, had a little, I had a little visit there the other night. Amazing how those little visits come up. I was playing a game with my wife and two good friends. And me and my partner were winning. And my partner wasn't my wife. Do I need to say anything else? No, no, I don't need to say anything else. I visited Jerkville. and You know what the issue is? It's not that I'm a bad loser. I'm a great loser, but I lose a lot, so I don't know how to win sometimes. You know what I mean? So you get a little arrogant, and you get a little whatever. Um, God doesn't value me less because I, I, I visited Jerkville. And we need to stop. God's love for us is so phenomenal, it's so amazing, and he tells us that in the Bible over and over and over again. You were created in God's image by your creator who, who loves and values you more than you can possibly ever know. When you come to grips with that and you understand that and have that sort of settled down into your heart and mind, it changes how you live. It changes how you view life. It, it changes a lot. Comprehend God's How much god values us he does just dwell on that that helps the worry well i guess he's going to take care of me then isn't he yeah he will maybe not in the way that you had in mind maybe not just like you thought but he he is going to take care of you and you know that now you know that so live like it third thing We experience revolutionary peace when we get settled on providential provision, when we comprehend how much God values us. Third thing is when we realize the imbecility of worry. I mean, it's just an imbecile that gets all hung up on worry. And let me be the first to raise my hand and say, I've been an imbecile more than once on this issue. Watch this. Watch. Watch what he says. Verse 27, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. Why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies. They grow. They don't work. Doesn't mean you shouldn't work. Doesn't mean you shouldn't plan. But he says, God you know, God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow. Won't he more surely care for you? You have, you have so little faith. Don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. And don't be like the pagans, basically. Verse 34, So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries today 's trouble is enough for today. Hear, hear. Somebody used to tell me, i don't want to borrow trouble. I don 't want to borrow trouble from next next week because <laughs> maybe maybe it won't come, and maybe I won't even have to pay it back. you know um you know, when you think about how, how just ridiculously crazy it is to worry, think for a moment. Just just take a minute. Think about um, think about some of the outcomes of successful worrying. Let's kind of take the opposite view of that. What are some of the What are some of the successful outcomes of worrying? Let's see. How about this one? Excessive drinking to kind of make you forget. Or how about this one? Uh, ulcers. There's a good one. Yeah. How about eating disorders? OCD. Quick temper. Inflexible, depression, just some of, those, some of, the, some of the outgrowth of, of, of successful worrying. Listen, worry is stupid. It is a silent killer of energy, of heart, of enjoyment, and just plain effectiveness. And I speak as one who has a little experience with this subject. So. I think all of us, if we are authentic and if we're honest, understands the whole thing of worry and how it robs us of peace and effectiveness. And it may be about my, my job. It may be about what, what's going on right now with the economy. It may be about my kids. They'll drive you nuts, won't they? I mean, worrying about your kids. Yeah. And you think, well, if I can just get them, get them raised, it doesn't get any easier, okay? Well, as if I just get them married. That doesn't help either. You're still worried. We've got two great in-laws, 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 son-in-law and daughter-in-law. You still worry about them. You know, and if you start thinking about it, and then they, then, then they start having kids. Now I find myself, okay, what's little McKenna, our newest granddaughter? I, just, I was late getting back up here because I had to walk her back to her car. She wanted me. She wanted granddad to walk her back to her car. And I just said, they can wait on me up there. And... Um, um, you start worrying about that stuff. Somewhere in here, you've got to trust God. It's going to drive you nuts if you don't. It's also going to drive you to something else if you don't. I think the Apostle Paul was aware of Jesus' words. Listen to what he says: don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Let God know your concerns before you know know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displays worry at the center of your life. You know what? He'll take that knot in your stomach that comes with worry. He'll take that out when we understand that. Let me give you a couple of quick quotes, because this whole thing of worry—it's, it really is—it really is a stupid thing to do. You know that. I know that. Even though we still do it. Um, But here's the real danger: is what it does to us. It robs us of so much. Charles, I've got two quotes from two old preachers. You got, you know, you guys know I love quoting old time preachers. I love reading them, and and this is Charles Haddon Spurgeon preacher in England, London in uh 1800s. Listen to what he says. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. Isn't that true? It just empties today of its strength. That's just such a great point. And another great great old preacher actually uh, lived in my lifetime, at least for a while, uh, in London, Dr. Dave, Dr. David Martin Lloyd-Jones. Quite a guy, quite a story. But watch it, here, he says it really clearly here. But above all that, says our Lord, can you not see that in a sense you are mortgaging the future by worrying about it in the present? Indeed, the result of worrying about the future is that you are crippling yourself in the present. You are lessening your efficiency with regard to today and thereby you are reducing your whole efficiency with regard to that future which is coming to meet you. I don't know if you've thought about it like that, but I thought, that's brilliant. That's what it is right there. We're mortgaging the future. of getting hung up on today. So what's the answer to that? The answer to that is that we take them to Christ. The answer to that is we come to the Lord and say, God, here I am again, for the fifth time tonight. And I'm going to... You know, faith is refusing to allow the worries to set in. So, Lord, here I am again. I want to give it to you. I want to give it to you. And sometimes that's a bunch of times in a night, certainly in a year. Mortgaging the future by worrying about the present. I'm going to just... It, it really all comes down to Christ. I want to pray for you. Now, while I'm doing that, I'm going to ask the band to come on up because then I, want to, I just want to tell you about what they're going to do. But Let's just pray. God, we are so grateful that at the end of the day and at the, in, in the middle of the night or in the middle of the day that we can stop and we can recognize, Lord, you are here and I can give this to you. I can refuse. In faith, I can refuse to worry. It might be challenging at different times, and it may be a whole bunch of different times, but I can do that. As I trust you, Christ, with my life, both the present as well as the future, as well as things of the past. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.